0: Oh, let's get it. Monday, March 14th, 2022. Born the Battle, brought to you by the US Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However, you listen to Born the Battle, be on on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook. The player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. And yes, I missed a week. Sorry about that. But I had too many doctor appointments and not enough time to get it in. And it was the first time in two and a half, three years. Uh, I think we had a pretty good run before I had to I had to tap out for a week. So I uh, appreciate you sticking with us. Since then, a couple of ratings have come in. And of course, the week I was out was the time that we got a couple of reviews. First one came in from I, Jason Wade, says five stars, excellent podcast for veterans. This podcast is very informative and helpful, while also being entertaining to listen to. I've heard great stories from other vets and and have gotten information to help myself or other vets that I know. Uh, Jason Wade, you know, these are the reviews that I like to see because that is exactly what your podcast is all about. And yes, it is your podcast. Thank you for the feedback and for the open endorsement. Next one is from sapper, Ohio. One of my good friends, uh, that was an It's an army veteran from back home. He was a sapper in the army. Always good things from sappers says five stars. Thanks for the well-done podcast. I will listen more often. Keep up the great work sapper. Thank you for checking us out. Please listen to the ones that you're interested in and spread the word. And you already are by sending me this review. I say that because writing a review for "Born the Battle" on Apple Podcasts does help us climb higher in the charts due to Apple's algorithm giving more veterans a better opportunity to discover "Born the Battle," listen to the testimonies of their fellow veterans, listen to our benefits breakdown episodes, and hear what's in our news releases. It's also the best way for me to communicate with you, just like I was able to communicate with I Jason Wade and Sapper Ohio there. Again, appreciate the feedback and the reviews. Four relevant news releases dropped while I was out. You can also find a couple more that I'm not going to cover that are on va.gov forward slash OPA forward slash press rel. One about International Women's Day, which has already passed, and one about how survey data shows that VA leads in patient experience. That's great, but none of that matters if you personally have a bad experience. So for me, VA always has to provide that first class service to every veteran. Anyways, first of the four that we are going to cover says for immediate release, graduates from the Department of Veterans Affairs, Women Veteran Owned Small Business Initiative, recently finished the Vet Biz Lady Start program, paving a way for their future in the federal marketplace. Now, we just had an episode with Oz DeBoo, a benefits breakdown with Michelle G.I. Uh, Gardner Ince. Uh, great episode. Talked specifically about this initiative. She is the program director for the Women Better and Own Small Business Initiative within OZDEBU. I highly suggest you check that out because she talks all about this. The inaugural 14-week program, completed in early February, provided women transitioning out of the military tools and resources to manage and grow their small business in government contracting. So basically, if you want to work in the government sector, get some contracts. You ever seen War Dogs? That's what I'm talking about. Training modules and small group discussions were hosted by successful women mentors from the government and commercial sector. The initiative aims to bridge the gap between economic disparities by providing disadvantaged populations equal access to contracts. VetBiz Ladies Start is a federally funded program and collaborates with the women business centers of the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia's Old Dominion University. Entrepreneurship programs are offered through each organization to assist women preparing for procurement. Now, this next one's pretty big. Check it out. Says The Department of Veterans Affairs intends to propose adding certain rare respiratory cancers to the list of presumed service-connected disabilities in relation to military environmental exposure to particulate matter. VA determined through a focused review of scientific and medical evidence there is biological plausibility between airborne hazards, specifically particulate matter, and carcinogens of the respiratory tract, and that the unique circumstances of these rare cancers warrant a presumption of service connection. Based on these findings, VA secretary is proposing a rule that will add presumptive service connection for several rare respiratory cancers for certain veterans. Now, these cancers are listed in the news release, but I'm not a doc and I'm not going to pronounce 90% of these correctly. To look at the full list, check out this episode's blog on blogs.va.gov or go into show notes here on the podcast. And I'll have a link to the news release there. VA intends to focus its rule on the rare respiratory cancers above, you know, in the, in the news release, in veterans who served any amount of time in the Southwest Asia Theater of Operations and other locations. VA will invite and consider public comments as part of this process. Once rulemaking is complete, VA will conduct outreach to impacted veterans and survivors to inform them of potential eligibility. Again, that one's huge. All right, next one says, for immediate release, as part of the Department of Veterans Affairs and National Suicide Prevention Efforts, VA is publishing an interim final rule on March 10th, so it's already published, 2022, implementing Section 201 of the Commander John Scott Hannon Veterans Mental Health Care Improvement Act, otherwise known as the Staff Sergeant Parker Gordon Fox Suicide Prevention Grant Program. Publishing this rule will specify grant eligibility criteria, application requirements, scoring criteria, and other elements necessary to implement this grant program. As the VA has stated in previous news releases that we've read, the Staff Sergeant Fox Suicide Prevention Grant Program is a three-year community-based grant program that will provide financial assistance to eligible entities to provide or coordinate the provision of suicide prevention services for eligible individuals and their families. VA anticipates publishing a notice of funding opportunity in April with instructions on how to apply for a grant under the program. For more information on this, go to mentalhealth.va.gov forward slash ssgfox hyphen grants. All right, last one says, for immediate release, the Department of Veterans Affairs encourages veterans affected by inflammatory bowel diseases to access a new website that raises awareness of Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and I hope I said that right. That website is www.cronescolitisfoundation.org forward slash veterans. Veterans can use the site to get step-by-step instructions to access treatment and links to VA resources, connecting with online communities, and peer-to-peer support to improve their quality of life. Through this partnership, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation will provide educational materials and share resources widely with VA staff, veterans, and the public to increase knowledge about inflammatory bowel diseases and treatment options. VA will train the foundation on veteran-specific concerns like suicide prevention and share free resources such as the Veterans Crisis Line. To view other healthcare partnerships with VA, or if you're a healthcare entity and are interested in a health partnership, go to www.va.gov forward slash health partnerships. All right, this week's guest is a Navy veteran and he served with me at headquarters Marine Corps for a time, then we lost touch until just recently. He since went to USC's film program, a very hard program by by the way to get into, and is currently applying his trade at JJ Abrams production company, Bad Robot Productions. The production company that's behind the recent Star Trek franchise, They did a couple of the most recent Star Wars, Mission Impossibles, Cloverfields, a couple couple of franchises that you might have heard of. They've got some credentials, and our guest is part of that success. He is Navy veteran Andrew Bliss. Enjoy.
1: Bliss, I know. Realize it's been over a decade. I have. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I uh, actually just realized this um, about 30 minutes ago <laughs> when I was thinking about how long has it been since uh, Tanner and I caught up. And I was like, holy crap, it's been that long since, um, it, you know, time flies, man. I didn't yeah. even realize. I mean, I've been in LA uh, about eight years now, and it's felt like maybe a couple of years. It just, it's flown by so quickly.
0: Eight years. Uh, where'd you go? Where'd you go when you were initially got out?
1: Um, so let's see, I, uh, w- w- so I stayed in, in Maryland, um, and, uh, and then I worked for Apple, I was teaching, I remember um, that. yep. For a few years and, uh, and something just like, uh, inside just kind of just kicked into high gear, like this just massive intuition. And I was like, I, I have to be on the West coast yeah. and, you know, I had a house and everything like that. And I was like, okay, so. Uh, sold the house, uh, sold the car, uh, packed everything I could into, like, a little pod and got a motorcycle, learned how to ride in, like, three three months. (laughs) I kid you not. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna make this the most epic, like, close-ended to this chapter, and let's, you know, start a brand new chapter. Um, you know, into whatever this new path was, and uh, yeah, I learned how to ride in like three months, and then took that across the country over two weeks with uh, some friends. Um, best trip ever! Oh my god, I
0: totally recommend everyone to take a trip across country at least one
1: time, and take your time. Yeah, like
0: I did that when I got out too. I I I left Camp Lejeune and I drove to Seattle, and it was just like took my time. I was like, oh look, an asteroid crater in New Mexico. Let's go check that out. You know? Oh my
1: gosh, dude. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that I could recommend uh, learning how to ride on a, mo- <laughs> a motorcycle. Um, but you know, it's not for everybody for sure. Uh, but um, it was uh, one of the most awe-inspiring uh, experiences of my life for sure. Yeah. Um, and I've, I, I'd, I'd like to say that I've done a few different things in my life. Um, it's just, there's a, you know, I, I read a book um, actually while I was in, um, when I was, when I was de- employed overseas in Africa with this book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And, you know, you, you, there are things that you can read in a book and there are things that you experience in life and experiences life's best teacher for sure. Oh, um, and, you know, connecting those dots and, and there was just, you know, th- there's a lot of fear for sure, because I came over with like, I had, you know, I, I know I wanted to work, in this industry, in the film industry, um, entertainment industry, uh, in some capacity. I had zero, you know, contacts or anything like that. I have no idea. You just kinda go into the unknown.
0: You knew that before you got out.
1: You and I yeah. talked about that a, a yep. lot.
0: Um and from the looks of it, from where you are now, it's been quite a journey. But yeah. Um before all that, I wanna get I wanna go a little way back, way back. You know, usually we yeah. start we usually we start these with like when did you decide that the military was the right step for you? yeah but for you, I even want to go back a little further um because personally, I've been on this jujitsu journey myself, and I know you were an accomplished professional martial artist before you even joined the military um you know, we spoke briefly about it in the navy- or what while you were in the navy, but yeah, uh, that was literally a decade ago
1: yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, having this conversation we were like on our way back from uh recording something at the House of Representatives one time- one day yeah um Yeah. Anyways.
0: Yeah, and you were going into into wushu, and I was like, I was like totally blown away because I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Um, Now, were you were you professional in a sense that you were sponsored and all that?
1: Well, so yes, and yes, and no. So yes, there was a sponsorship. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh. So um, wushu doesn't have um, you know, the legs that it did uh, that it does in 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 China when I was uh. When I was when I was going through trying to find um. You know a place to train and and things like that, but even before that, like I had done martial arts um, let let me let me backtrack it i've done I've done martial arts since I was like five years old, um, yeah. you know to some capacity, and most of it was just uh, a way I think for um, my parents to get me into something that would you know kind of help me feel uh, a little bit of that accomplishment um and have something that I could take with me and my I neither one of them knew that I would take it as far as I did. Uh I mean I didn't even either. I that, you know, lots of points throughout that I, I was gonna quit and you know, as a kid you just you want to try different things or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I had I had gone through I was one of the youngest black belts in uh a style called the Weichiru Karate, which is like a, an Okinawan um uh like they call it like a hard style and like, so I I'd, I'd done that when I was like fourteen, fifteen um hmm. and uh you know, I thought I was gonna quit then and um and then I, I, I remember I was I was I was with my dad, uh we were driving by and there was like this kung fu school was opening and I was like, we used to live in Saudi Arabia and we did kung fu back then. My dad was a helicopter pilot, so okay. we got yeah. to travel all over the world. I lived in Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. We traveled like I was a military brat, but we weren't in the military.
0: Just um, living from DOD or
1: uh, no, he was working for different companies that, uh, you know, that were uh, helicopter companies that would, that would take him like, yeah, when we were in Saudi Arabia, it was, it, he was flying basically um, from the smaller hospitals to the main hospital, the cash K- I think is what it's called. Gotcha. Uh, um, so there was, there was lots of, a th- lot of the best jobs were overseas back then. And um, yeah, so, uh, so we had done that. I lived in Saudi Arabia um for uh, second, third, fourth grade. Um, and uh, and we did Kung Fu back then. And then we got enrolled in 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 Kung Fu when I, uh, again, when we were in Florida living there and there was a new school opening up. And I met one of, um, you know, what I would consider, uh, you know, one of my main Kung Fu like mentors, teachers, um, his name is Nick Screema. Uh, and um, I spent the majority of 10 years plus training under him under his teachers. Uh, and it was, it's been a wild ride of just like rediscovering my love of just, there's a, there's a performance art that I think is missing in the martial arts because, and and this is no slog to MMA, um, because it, it has an amazing, you know, uh, place in the sport of it. Sure. Uh, and, and I don't think it's an either or I think that the art of martial arts, uh, is still a historically amazing, um, signature in that whole, uh, in that whole craft. And, uh, I really honed in on that. I did fight. Um, I fought, um, you know, in all kinds, but, uh, and I did, I, I dabbled in, um, there was, there's a, a style called shuai jiao, which is, um, like a Chinese wrestling style. I did china, which is like joint lock manipulations. I did a little bit of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and there, there was a lot of things that I did, Touch on, but my love of it was into the performance art of it. So,
0: the wushu because wushu has a full contact and a performance art, right? Like
1: it's like so. Well, wushu is basically just like a a martial art. It encompasses a lot of things, but in the compulsory sport of it, um, it is a. It's basically kind of like the thing I would equate it to would be like a gymnastics floor routine. There are compulsory routines that you, you know, that you do. There are. uh, There's a lot of history that goes back into it, which is why you'd have to kind of delve into the mythology and the history of Chinese martial arts, which is why they have things like drunken style, but where does that come from? And there's a whole, there's stories that go into the, um, like the journey to the West stories and the three kingdoms and all of these really colorful characters, right? So that really based down into, into mythology, even all of the colorful weapons. Like I, I I have a bunch of these like hook swords and, um, and things like that and chain whips and whatever. These are just they they were like signatures of you know battle during the time, but to what extent you know you're not going to go around flipping around the battlefield when they fought. Everything I'm sure was very straightforward uh, and very practical, but yeah. the stories that were told were the theatrics of it. Gotcha. Um, and that's where I really fell in love with it. You know, so it's like the the there's been some books that were that really kind of uh, summarize this, and 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 I think this is a link that winds up being. My link into my career path to where it is now, um, but the the link of it is that you know the, the there was a battle that had taken place, and then you know the survivors would come back and they would tell the stories, and they would say, "Oh yeah, the fish was this big, and we did
0: <laughs> we did flippity jacks instead of actual yeah. combat." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you should have seen how I took that horse
1: down. Yeah. Like and and so the 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 theatrics of it, you know, were brought back to the villages, and then they created forms and they created routines and they created styles and, you know, nobody watched a praying mantis, I'm sure, and was like, you know what, maybe if I put my hands like this and I could really (laughs) like, so I think there, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of, um, you know, separating the reality and the, and, and and of, of the use case scenario of it. This is where MMA is like the practicality of it, bring whatever you have to the table and let's see how it's used. Totally fine. Uh, there is still that art form of it. That's just I feel a so storytelling
0: amazing. art form, and
1: that's the storytelling of it. And right. wushu had this amazing, uh, just way of telling a story through the beginning of the routine to the end, and how much poise. I mean, they they borrow things from the Chinese opera. They borrow things like there, there's they borrow things from lots of different cultures too. There was uh, so I remember when I when I went there. Um, and when I went to, I'm sorry. When I went to Beijing the first time, yeah. uh, there was uh, a Capoeira troop that were coming. That were, like they were professionals that came in to try to work with the coaches, and they were trying to incorporate some of that into their routines and like figure out what you know what's Capoeira all about. And like
0: every time I think of Capoeira, I think of Bob's Burger. I don't know if you ever seen that episode <laughs> of Bob's Burger. With <laughs> Co-
1: Not only did the did, strong did. with Mark DeCasas. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> explain the significance of. And your experience in training with the Beijing Wushu team.
1: Yeah. So, I um, think this is all before you joined the Navy. So, yeah, my, my first trip over there was uh, was was a bit of a, a, a tourist slash uh, training trip. It was a couple of weeks. We were there with a big group, you know, went and did the sightseeing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, throughout that, we were also training at uh, the Shichahai Cha uh, Sports School uh, in Beijing, um, next to, uh, Beihai park, which is like, if you were to look it up, you can place it. Um, and that's basically the predominant sports school that, uh, the professional athletes that do Taekwondo, that do, uh, Wushu, that do, uh, gymnastics, and they, they all kind of train at this massive sports school. And one massive level is for Wushu. And, uh, the Beijing Wushu team is the preeminent Wushu team in the world. And it was designed that way. There's Uh, there's also um, some huge competitors were like Hong Kong and Shanghai. They all kind of, you know, work together and, and train together. And one of the, uh, you know, preeminent legends um, in the coaching arena is uh, a man named uh, Wu Bin. And he was known to be Jet Li's uh, coach mentor. Wow. He had a few, um, you know, but he was the one who basically took the Beijing Wushu team to be nothing and. Through science and through diet and through uh, muscular training, built them up to be the powerhouse that they are. Uh, that and um, you know and kind of really escalated that into um, into the mainstream in China. Gotcha. Um, and and was able to incorporate the art and science of things. There's a whole I don't I, I can dive I can dive into sure. a lot of where that was into, but um, you know there's also so there's there's uh, there's also sport um, fighting. And it's called Sanda or Sancho, and that's basically um, it's like kickboxing with throws. Uh, some of them they fight on a raised platform, and you can punch, kick, and throw and off the platform. Uh, there was, there's an, a guy who went into MMA. His name is Kung Lee. I don't know if you remember him. I remember he, him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he started in Sancho. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you dove deep into it when you were in it, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Deep. Uh, so again like, like like you said there's a there's a practicality and then there's the art form of it and the story i I completely love the storytelling aspect of it myself um as a gamer romance of the three kingdoms heavily oh, yeah. heavily and on and and on that uh, if anybody has never heard you know that story it's an amazing story um yeah. do you still train and mentor in wushu uh
1: currently no um, okay. so there has been, uh, my own inner rumblings and, and talks of definitely going back into it. It's something you never leave for sure. Uh, sure. I, I, I know myself and what I tend to do is I tend to zone in on things and then I get tunnel vision <clears throat> and, Absolutely. uh, it's, it was, it's it, the, this industry What well, actually in the past couple of years, it's really allowed, um, i've allowed myself to uh really think through what the future is going to be and what the next chapters are and i think this is definitely a bookend chapter for a lot of people to start brand new things and there are new technologies there's new ways of thinking and yeah i think i think we're in the crux of some really like if we were to zoom out and and look back on this you know for ten years we're gonna see that this was absolute historic moments, not just because of COVID and things, but I think for a lot of other things. But gotcha. um so I, I definitely will go back to find my roots because I think and I and I really believe that there is an importance for all of us to um to really find our authenticity and it it pays for you to know where you came from and 100%. really uh own it. Um yeah and that's something i th- i think we can get into for sure like but I, I think you know you can look at anything from like youtube creators and and you know all of the new ways of people that are coming out podcasts is a huge example right yeah. and uh and, and i think that that's a way to uh to really if you were to think back and find out who you are as a person you can um that's uh, that's a way for you to define what your career path um can oh, be absolutely. Like.
0: Absolutely, I, Yeah. I think it's a, you're, it's a completely reflective time in history right now. Um, and you're talking about content creators, media, traditional media versus the new way you can get content out to, to consumers. Yeah. It's all changing. It's all changing. Yeah. Um, but you and I started in, in more of a legacy uh, yep. a, a content back in the day. Uh, you, a, you were a former broadcast journalist with the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, where and when during your martial arts journey did you, were you like, okay, yeah, Navy, Yes, oh, yeah. Lady. That's the next step in my journey. I know, when, right? At um, what point did you know? Uh
1: so I was um I was actually going to uh college and I was um I had a uh a school that I was I was teaching at and coaching and um and but then I was also uh attending I was going to University of South Florida at the time. Gotcha. And um nine eleven happened and uh I i'd lived in since i'd lived in saudi arabia i lived in the middle east for three years and i had friends from all over in that area and i i feel like you know i grew up a very multicultural kid because i had to adapt every few years um and it, it was a it was a jarring experience to see the divide that happened between different cultures especially you know um when when people are hurt they're angry you know all justified so it took me a year after 9-11 happened for me to really kind of dive into it. My dad basically said, you know, um, the military is not for everybody for sure, but definitely check them out. He was not He was in the army mm-hmm. um, and he didn't spend 20 years in it. He spent six years and, and got out for sure. But he, he said, y- you'll never regret your time, um, you know, doing it. So, give it a thought. And it took me a year to finally get around. I was going to art school. You know, I I didn't it, and, and you know the I didn't look it into it terribly. The only thing I knew was you know watching Full Metal Jacket and I was like I don't want to be part of that uh, <laughs> and I don't want to do pushups all day and you know <laughs> so but I want the um, military
0: without the military.
1: Yeah, the what do you do right? Yeah, like yeah. Um, and so uh, I you know I took my ASVAB and um you know my scores were were high enough that they were trying to get me into all these kinds of jobs and it just felt like, I was like, I'm getting pushed into this. I I didn't want to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, there was something inside of me though, that just said that there's, there's a bigger calling and it's outside of myself. And when you're young, it takes you a little bit of time to, you know, hopefully realize that some people, you know, uh, figure out that, you know, doing things in service of others is the best calling. And I think that that had been inside of me, you know, and it's just something I just had to kind of like wake up to and, and, and figure out, but at what direction there's so many paths, you know, to do so. Well, you
0: had to find your your own passion to align with that service.
1: Yeah. Where's my use case in that? And like, I, uh, so I, I went into, um, I went into the Navy and, and found that there was, uh, that you could be into, uh, I was looking at photography and I was like, oh, I could do photography. And, 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 and I was thinking, oh well, if I'm going to go photography, maybe I can join um, and and be part of like special ops because I was in that world a little bit already doing And you know, a lot of the people that I was training with and doing it, I was like, this this sounds like it it could be the direction um, that I was going into. Uh, but they found out that the photographers, um, excuse me, the photographer mates were were it, it was backed up for like a year. But there was this thing called JO, and there's no JO at the time, but that was journalists. Uh, that was opening up and that was like, you can go in now. And I was like, now I was like, geez, I don't know. And (laughs) I wound up, you know, I wound up going, well, let's sure. And, and so uh, I didn't think journalism would be the thing that, uh, that I would go into because at the time, you know, I didn't really watch the news. I, 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 it's, you know, very different case back then. And um and so yeah. I, I was like I, I don't know that this is the right call, but it wound up being like I went then, you know, went went into it and uh went to Dinfos and found out that I remember when I when, you know, getting right out of boot camp and then arriving at Dinfos, uh, uh like
0: the defense information school for those that don't know. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and that's uh and that's the school that we all go to, all of the services, uh and um and civilians uh, you know, train there as well and uh it was interesting because then i saw a bunch of people with cameras you know out like shooting photography and with video cameras and i was going what what (laughs) what is this world this is not you know so it was it was and i was i think i was just like knee deep into it at that point i was like oh these are people like me um and you know and, and things just started lining up and i i Leaned into it heavily, so um, at Dinfo's, uh, I had to do um, as part as the part of the Navy contract of it. I had to do both print and broadcast journalism, so that was six months of schooling. Yeah. So I had to go from one school and then go into the other one. Yep. And did you have to do the same thing?
0: No, we just went through the video production documentation course. It's like you're a combat videographer. This is your partition. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as combined as it is now. You know. All of my MOSs are now legacy MOSs. None of them are actually yeah. exist anymore. Combat cameras merged with public affairs, and my old admin merged with another admin. And uh, I like to say I'm old core now, even though I was out with them like three <laughs> years, everything was gone. Uh, but no, uh, we just went through the three month video production documentation or four months. But I remember the Navy yeah, always sure. had to have more school in it. and I think at that point mm-hmm. they had combined into the mass communication specialist, so you had the broadcast, you had the yep. print, you had the journalist you they had everything it was like a year
1: yep but, they but, consolidated uh, um yeah they consolidated uh, a lot all of the the media uh jobs into into that mass communication that happened after I got out of uh yeah. of Dinfo's, right and um yeah. So yeah, so did and that. We, and we
0: can get into the politics of that, but I don't know if the podcast Oh here. sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: <For> <laughs> sure. Journalism versus documentation and the
1: and yep, the, how yep. they really and don't the align. Affair, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you yeah. Know, anyways. Um,
1: um yeah. The so, the so yeah, so I, I, I um what I got so I, after going through Dinfos, um, I was I got top of my class and so um uh, so they, they came up and they said, We're going to, because you did that, you can choose between a few different places you can go. Um, Italy, Japan were at the top of my list. So they sent me to Italy. And then I did, uh, I, I got to an AFN detachment there and worked as a broadcaster. And I started
0: uh, Naples or Signella Naples. Naples. Gotcha. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, while you were in, give me either your best friend or your greatest mentor.
1: Oh, man. Uh I had a few. Uh yeah, for good. sure. So um one of my best friends uh when I was in Italy uh is a he, he was a corpsman um named uh his name is uh Tom Fergus Thomas Ferguson. And uh we still talk to this day and uh so him and I actually that leads into I, I made a feature when I was overseas. Oh wow um yeah. So, and him and I were the ones that started this and uh, it started basically where, uh, so when I was at AFN, I did a uh, a spot, a, a commercial spot for um, for the local hospital there, the big Navy hospital that's there that we're kind of like side detachment to. And um, we met up and just like nerded out over exploitation movies, over like horror and sci fi. And like, you know, and I was like, oh, dude, I used to do like, you know, all these short films and we watched all that. And he didn't really know much about filmmaking. So he was just like zoning in of like, let's just do this thing. Like you're working in this. And, and Cause he's a corpsman. He's
0: not in public affairs. Exactly. exactly. Gotcha, he had gotcha. a
1: love for, um, uh, for entertainment and and you know doing that kind of thing, so uh, I was like, yeah, let's 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 do something. I want to shoot like we're you know we're in Italy. Like, come on, this is you know people pay to go here, and I'm getting paid to work here. This is amazing, <laughs> right? Um, and so yeah, we we wound up taking this idea of a short, and um over the course of time, I there's a longer story to this, but it wound up turning into a feature, um, and it's this like really quirky like horror dramatic, uh, feature that I made over there called the suffered. And, um, and him and I were at the crux of starting that whole thing off. And, uh, there was an article that was written, um, I think in the Navy times, um, about like, you know, sailor makes his first horror movie overseas or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a huge part of my three years there. Um, and uh my senior chief who was the head of our detachment, Kevin Carson is amazing. Um my gosh, there was it, I, it it's dizzying because there's a lot of people that I really admired and looked up to. Uh, you know, whether they would be in the military or not, it's just there was there's was a standard of of person that I just um uh you attract. Know.
0: Like yeah. to be around. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that first enlistment, you always have like really strong bonds with the guys that you just came in. Cause you all just came in the military. You're all just kind of new. Yeah. And you know, if you click with somebody, you click with them, uh, it seems like for life, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. That's true. Um, was headquarters Marine Corps, was that, that was your last Billy, right?
1: It was my second and my last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <your>
0: last. <laughs> how in the heck, and I've always asked this question. I always wondered how in the heck did headquarters Marine Corps combat camera Yeah. End up with a Navy billet serving alongside That's a a,
1: great question. Right? And Um,
0: mentoring young Marines. Did you ever get an answer like, how did you end up with the Marine Corps?
1: Yeah. So, um, ish, I got an answer. Like, uh, (laughs) so I I found out um, because, you know, nine months, a year and a half out, I was, you know, trying to, um, you know, talk to my detailer about, uh, you know, what possible you know positions would be open up would be good career paths uh yeah you know and 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 then there's a much bigger process as we all know to get into that and they try to place you where you're effective but also look at your history of you know yeah, and me being the weird quirky like made this horror movie also did spots for a f n and stories and um I was out in town doing all the stuff, so i like I just immersed into uh you know into my environment and uh so there was a lot of talk of just like, well, you know, maybe Japan, um, definitely go out, to, you know, usually you go out to sea after that, which is what yeah. my senior, ch- and my, and hilariously, my, my senior chief was, was saying like, you need to go to a ship, like go to a ship. He, they really were pushing me to stay in. Cause I was like, I don't know, maybe, you know, this is, th- this is maybe where I'm most effective. And then maybe I do this. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, where, where to next. And they were really trying to, you know, push me looking further
0: more, into looking more for your military career than what you're.
1: That and and also just like I, I think they knew they, they just knew me in a, in a way of just saying like you, you know lean into this that you you have that there's there's certain things that I think you will you will personally benefit from but you just have to give it a chance you have to give it a shot so yeah. they were really pushing me to go out to sea, maybe go into a flagship or something like that which is kind of what I was looking at. Yeah. Um, and um, and and so I, w- I was I was I was definitely giving that some serious thought. And then um, f- what th- there were also the other two thoughts were um, uh, and I forget what they were called. Is it defense? Um, is it Defense Info East and Defense Info West? I have, I have no idea. There were anyways. There were two. There were two. There were two billets that were open up for uh, I believe it's just for the Navy for basically a public affairs official to work in the literary yeah. uh, field with uh, or in with Hollywood. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the,
0: the, the. Yeah, the ones that work with New York or L.A. and and yeah. actually work with Hollywood as like advisement for films and television shows and so Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I, I pick it up your land down. But you, but you did end up at headquarters Marine Corps. That was a yeah. that was a first class billet, right? It was like an E6 billet or an E5 billet. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy. My buddy Nick, uh, he did the same thing at Iwakuni he was with oh. marines. yeah he was with the marines it was like a, almost like a purple deployed combat camera unit but in Iwakuni, it was just unique so yeah. you're you're like the second him and nick my buddy nick is like the yeah. only two that i've ever heard do something like that it was just yeah. unique. just unique he, yeah speaking of that shop um the the entire dynamic was odd to say uh, the least <laughs> to say yeah. the very least uh is that the reason that you decided that it was a uh, something punch out
1: um Oh boy,
0: <laughs> we don't have to go into everything that that unit you know, was or that shop. Was. Yeah,
1: we we can. We uh, can, uh, we, we can yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What um, was it a factor?
1: Yeah, um, I would say it. Uh, if I was on the line, it definitely was the factor that pushed me over for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know there there's it, when when I feel like I want to run but i'm getting shackles put on me and so i have to crawl uh then i'm going to like gnaw my way out
0: <laughs> that's yeah i mean we can get just the, the there was there was leadership challenges for the young yeah. marines there uh that's all we got to say but yeah um that was uh what year you G- yes it was 2011
1: oh god um
0: when did you get out was it 2010
1: yeah yeah 20 january i think of uh of 2010 yeah
0: Gotcha. Now I remember you were getting into film festivals at the time. Um, yeah. You were doing some horror movie genre stuff. Um, matter of fact, you were the first person that ever showed me how to submit a film to a film festival with a, uh, without, without a, box. Box. Yeah. Without a box. <laughs> com. You remember that conversation? Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think you wanted me to submit like the birthday message or something. Um, And I, I just looked up right before this interview and without a box is no more.
1: Yeah. 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 How do, you, how
0: do you submit to film festivals now? Are there other different ones?
1: Um you you can submit directly to them. I mean, Google's now pretty much, you know, done <laughs> done a lot of that work. Uh
0: I like the I, I did like the access of the film festivals through the portal that was without a box though. That was that was a that was a unique website.
1: Convenient. And yeah. I think there was probably a pro and a con to that. Um because I think uh, you know, there there's a there's a bit of like localizing where you'd want to get your you know, if you made a movie in like, you know, Podunk somewhere and there was a film festival out there, you could probably get to that. But if you go through without a box, there were there was there there could be some bottlenecking that would probably happen. This is my a total guess. Gotcha. Um and I think I think the the administration of it winds up being more than the execution. Gotcha. Um Got gotcha.
0: you. Yeah. No, it, it was it was a great thought. It was a great way to get into film festivals. Plus,
1: uh, the best film festival exposure you can do right now is YouTube. Like, yeah, yeah. and tag it. And there's, you know, nobody's going to tell you no. Like, that's the that's you know, and we can get into that whole thing. Do it. Whole,
0: tell me. Tag it. What do you mean? So you put well, your, you put your short on YouTube and you tag it into film. You tag film festivals.
1: No. Well, you so the idea of film festivals right is a curated screening by people that believe that these are the movies that fit into their platform that should go within this and and sometimes it doesn't even have to do with how well the movie or the show was produced it has to do with whether it fits into a certain time slot right so if it's a short movie those short movies are going to fit into more time slots and they can fit more of them as if it's a feature they have to curate more and things like that well what happens after that? So, the distribution aspect of that is that you go to a film festival and you go to represent your project and you hope to network and you, you you know, there's there's a whole process of networking. That's really what the film festivals tend to be, used to be about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the internet just blew that up. I mean, our internet 2.0, I would say, which is like social media blew that up. Gotcha. Because, you know, you could- uh, reach out to people on, you know, LinkedIn or uh, yes. Instagram or whatever it is, social media that you have. And um, you don't need anybody to tell you no. And the thing is, is there's just, everybody has the, there, there's a lot of people now that can tell stories because our, look, our iPhones and pixels and whatever shoot better video than those massive Ikigami cameras that we used to <laughs> use. <using. laughs> <I>, you <laughs> you know, know what I mean? I
0: mean, I, I just took a photo of my eyeball uh, with my with my new iPhone, I just got a new mm. iPhone like a, a week yeah. ago, yeah, and it was amazing. I was I was comparing it with the eyeball photo that I took with my Android because I blew my eye up in and jujitsu and stuff, and I was like, "Take yeah, got a poke of the eye, and it was all red." And so so I was like seeing like the you know how it was adjusting, and I was just like, "Man, this this new phone from just a, a camera from a, a Samsung two years ago, yeah. with this new iPhone it was just incredible, yeah, it's incredible."
1: Yeah. And uh, so, there was, um, and and I hate to to jump back, but No, do it. um, So, there was a time before, uh, when I was still in Maryland, before I went to, uh, you know, as I was going, I need to be on the, on the west coast, Yeah, there was a time where I was kind of going, you know, I actually might want to, I wanted to go either in computer science and and delve into that aspect of it because the camera technology, I think is a freeing element that was definitely changing like intelligent camera yes. systems were a thing that I was starting to really really get into and I was I was thinking oh man maybe if I did computer science um maybe going to MIT's media program or something like that that might have been the play and use my GI bill and a lot of this was to use my GI bill in the, in the fashion that we don't know like what happens after that so um I uh I applied to both USC and um and I applied uh to Art Center out um h- out here in California and then um, I was, uh, you know, I got accepted into both and I said, oh, wow, this this might this might actually have to be the thing. I didn't find out about USC until I was like on my motorcycle and I got my last mail and I got the like acceptance letter. Uh, how'd,
0: but you get had, the mail, how'd you get the mail on your motorcycle?
1: So, no, I was like literally packing the last oh. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, okay, so let, let me backtrack this. So, I was, um, I, I was, uh, I was, I was, <laughs> Packing all of my stuff, and um, a week before I had basically put my notice in at Apple and said, I'm doing this. I've, you know, and, and I committed to it before I even got my art center uh, acceptance. Wow. Wow. And then I got my art center acceptance and go, Okay, great. So there's actually, I have a direction. Mm-hmm. And then um, as I was leaving and getting the last bit of my mail uh, and packing up my bike with all my camping stuff or whatever, I get this massive like package from USC saying, You got accepted. And I was going, Oh man, okay. Well, I have a couple of weeks to think about this. Let me, you know, and uh, and and but either way, it was both like in this really you, you know, had you solidified had a direction. Yeah, you had a it. solid
0: direction that on the west coast you had yeah. something for you on the other side. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Um, so, so, tell, so, so tell me, how did you go from working independently, freelancing, uh, hustling? Uh, again, yeah. I'm su- I'm assuming you had other jobs at the time to doing productions for Buzzfeed. I saw the, um, yeah. the, the preview of the NASCAR episode for S- Squad Wars because, yeah. um, you know, it was on YouTube. But it caught my eye because again, I was, you know, I was in NASCAR productions for a bit and yeah, yeah. Uh, I edited a couple Canon races at Irwindale Speedway. So seeing that definitely caught my eye. Um, but now you're a bad robot, which is a JJ mm-hmm. Abrams studio, huge influence studio in, in, in California. A studio has produced major TV shows like Lost, Fringe, Westworld, um I also followed Revolution back in the day. Loved it. Nice. Uh film franchises like you know Star Wars, Cloverfield, I mean Cloverfield for you had to be had been a trip. Uh Mission Impossible. Uh saw that they're getting into Dr. Seuss and some DC films. Um how did you go from freelancing independent stuff, school to Bad Robot? Uh
1: so it's Big man.
0: Congratulations. Yeah,
1: um thank you. Uh so when, when I was in film school, um, at SC, you know, that our, our, our number one thing, the thing that I noticed similarly in the way that the first time I stepped foot on, at DINFOs, when everybody was like, you know, with cameras and things like that at USC, the first thing everybody did was like, Hey, I'm so-and-so like, what do you do? i had never seen any, but like, like aggressively, everybody was kind of like, we all want to get to know each other yeah. very quickly. <clears throat> and it, you know, I think there was a little bit of, there. there's a massive camaraderie there um, within the school. Uh, it's a very, very hard school to get into. It's harder to get into USC's film program than it is to get into like Harvard. Like the numbers are ridiculous. I don't know why. I think Mm -hmm. it, I I feel like, man, open it up to everybody. We all have a story to tell. We can all be trained, you know, it's like, but that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah. So uh, as I was going through school, man, I was, I was doing 21 credits. I was, uh, I was shooting stuff on the side. We all had to, like, we were just tired for like three years. Um, (laughs) And I, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into, uh, You know my love of sci-fi and horror and video games and all the nerd stuff that goes back to when I was like a baby. Yeah. Um. My uh. You know my my mom was like Miss Pac-Man champion of Indonesia. uh, Basically, (laughs) like when she was a kid. Yeah. And so like I have the nerd aspect from like from that and my my dad being a huge huge influence on like on sci-fi and 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 that whole aspect and movies and anyway and and
0: that's where we connected too. All that all that nerd culture stuff.
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so I, I said, you know, I'm going to teach myself, um, which I was doing for a while, but I was, uh, doing, you know, visual effects and editing and writing and directing and blah, blah, blah. So I just wanted to kind of dive into all of that. And that's where the freelancing bit, uh, came in. So I did some music videos. Um, I, uh, I I directed, edited and did visual effects for, uh, for a few of them. Um, and, I did some uh, some visual effects for some other like mini series types of, uh, of things that um, really got me experience in just like the production outside of school system, which, you know, is obviously where you want to be doing. So um, and I also learned a lot about that. There was a couple of classes that I had taken my last couple of semesters that we were delving into the future of the entertainment industry and how yeah. to um, you know, put together pitch decks, uh, and figure out, you know, how the marketing of things were. And that really, I think is going to be the ultimate payoff for me is the exposure to, uh, opening up that door in my head, um, of where that goes. And like
0: the business side of it.
1: Well, there's the business side of it, but, and, and we'll, we'll dive into this, I I think in a little bit, but like, uh, there's, there's the side of it of going like everybody come, you know, that you you can come into this industry from all walks of life like you don't need you know uh, to go to college and go through the, in fact it's probably better that you don't it's probably better that you come from a place that people haven't really heard of that you are have a unique perspective that other people don't know because when you come out to LA you, in your uniqueness and your individuality you know you want to hold on to that it's very easy as we all do like if i go to another place outside of LA you get sucked into that culture and The thing is, is if the hub of the culture of where everybody's writing all the stories all comes from here, then all the stories are going to be the same, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, and it's not necessarily the case that we all you know reach out to everybody in LA to tell stories. There's just a craft and a business that is solidified out here. um, To that, so uh, you know, I, I think that like there's there's a lot of that influence goes into, you know, thinking about what your career path winds up being. And so, I try to do everything, I, I, and I still do. So, when I, way back in the day, when I was in Florida, I worked for, um, when we had video rental houses, I worked for a warehouse that basically sold mass amounts of video um, tapes and DVDs to startups, basically, like that weren't Blockbuster or Hollywood video that were like mom and pop video stores. Gotcha. so, I started from that level and doing things from like sell through and figuring all that out. And when I got out here, I said, you know, I I, I I could figure out to try to get into a certain aspect of the film industry that would make sense. And I feel like starting from the end, like maybe not distribution, but out here it's post-production yeah. and working my way backwards um, okay. into development. Gotcha. And so that has I felt has just been, it's, it's always a learning experience and it also, it helps guide, you know, I think the ultimate direction of where it is that I want to start, you know, telling the next uh, or or going to the next chapter of my, uh, of my experience in my life. And um, the, the way to get to uh, where I got to, there's no clear path. Like I, I freelanced, I networked with a lot of people and I say network in a very loose scenario because I think the term networking is uh, very cold and it's not personal, right? At least that's the way that I translate it. So, I hate to use the the word, but, you know, we're out here meeting people and we're, we're out here trying to, uh, you know, trying to meet people that are either like-minded or we know we want to work together well. And there's a lot of, it's like dating on a massive scale. Like you're all just trying to find people that you really can just like, you know, like gel with and
0: make something special with.
1: Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, and so when I was freelancing, you know, I got to meet a lot of different people and I got to experience lots of different things. And I have friends from my freelancing gigs that I'm still friends with today, like for sure. Um, and then the bad robot thing came about in a really weird way. So I wound up, um, uh, cause I was reaching out and I'm cold emailing to lots of everybody like from different, I just wanted to, you know, it's the same. You, you, I do that. You never know. It's a needle in a haystack kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had an email um, from Bad Robot. I think it was like, uh, there was like an internship um, position that was available or something. So uh, I went into that. Um, when I was still in school, I went to their internship thing, did an interview, and then you know, got passed. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. So I kept going on with my life, did my thing, you know, kept working in the industry. And that's when I went and worked at uh, at BuzzFeed. So I worked in post-production um, and then uh, was a coordinator. So I started coordinating on that level. And then um, I also did a show for Vice uh, and coordinate on that level. And then when I was there, I was, uh, I, I reached out to, um, to a few different uh, a few different companies, and they had all. I'd all had really, really good meetings with them, including Bad Robot. And uh, then there was just that situation where it's like, man, I, I love, I'm a huge fan of Bad Robot as a culture. Yeah. Um, I I can say that I'm I'm a Star Wars fan, but I can't say that I'm the biggest Star Wars fan, which is <laughs> like, ah. Um, but the thing is, is that you know. The the JJ J. Abrams brand of like mystery and optimism and, and you know, this like adventure and this sense of openness and like uh it, it's not just in I, I can tell you, just being there and you know, it's it is run like a family business. Um they're all super genuinely amazing people. And I and I think the thing is is that, you know, going through all my series of interviews uh to get there and then also with others, there was definitely choices that hard, hard choices because yes, they're amazing. And then these other people that I wanted to work with were also amazing other people that I like, really looked up to. And um, I was in a really good position, like yeah. to to have some of those choices. Can't tell you how I got there. Like, it's just a matter of like, you either you got to dive in and you have to kind of like, uh, you know, figure it out, because everybody does in a different way. And that's this is a way that kind of worked for me. It's just meeting the people and the people met. And then we kind of go like, yeah, we're we're aligned, you know. It,
0: it sounds like you were just hustle. You were going to school, and then at at the same time, you were hustling, grinding, and just being a genuinely good dude while you were doing it.
1: I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like
0: like really, just kind of putting it out there and be like, "Look, this is who I am. This is what I want to yeah. do." Yeah. Um, what do you think? What's up? Uh, interesting. Very. And and you were cold emailing people.
1: That's, that's oh yeah. I would cold email, and I I wanted to, uh, you know, at at. You don't go out. I I didn't come out here to think that I was going to come out here and make a, a gazillion dollars. None of that was ever like. If I want to do that, I, honestly, I probably would have stayed within the military system in some yeah. form or fashion. Not saying I'm going to make a million dollars in the military, but something that is of like a comfortable, very solidified way of of you know starting my career path and doing whatever it is. And I could make movies on the side if I wanted to and do yeah. that. I came out here to open up and take whatever that next adventure was and it could have led me, you know, in a very different path for sure, but you just don't know until you get there.
0: What made you go okay, I want to take the uncomfortable?
1: Oh man. Um
0: cuz I think that's really important.
1: It is. Uh I've never and maybe this is just a product of me moving every few years from radically different cultures, you know, we I when I moved to Saudi Arabia I was eight years old and I was living in Glendale California um, and my dad uh, comes back home and he says we're moving to Saudi Arabia and I was like Saudi Arabia is that a desert am I gonna be living <laughs> like in the desert like I mean, and I you know I'm eight years old I remember distinctly that I was saying oh my gosh I'm gonna be like camels. Like that's all I knew. Like I did I had no idea. And <laughs> Alibaba, Aladdin? Yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. know. Like I had no idea. Um and uh and and you know, obviously living in, in the Middle East uh during those times uh and, and getting to meet some really amazing people. Uh yeah. And I don't know, like th- th- that experience changed, but yeah. that's that's every three. It happened like every three years or so. Like, so,
0: so adventure was kind of in your family, you know, taking that next oh thing. Oh yeah, taking, my taking, my dad. Taking, and yeah, I think, but I think in a primal way, like guys aren't or no guys, people aren't meant to be comfortable in general,
1: you know. Uh, comfort never really. It you don't grow from from comfort, no, you know. You no, you grow from you know, being uncomfortable and that go and, and, and doing things that are outside of the norm. Uh, and that's always been the case, uh, especially in my life. Um, and you have to be able to zoom out and I think look at the core, what is your core value and be able to, to stand by that and utilize that. And I think when you do that and you find out who you are, I think that's the hardest thing for people to do is understand who they are, Um, and when you do, then that I think is when you go forward and just kill it.
0: Hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better. Um, What's your role on most projects with Bad Robot? What do you what do you do there at Bad Robot?
1: Um, So when I was uh, when I first got there, I was in a capacity a very technical capacity. Um, There was uh, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because I have a role there. Um, you know, so technically there's, uh, have some coordinator roles. I also help, um, coordinate and manage our, uh, vendors relationship, um, with a lot of the back end stuff, like with the, we have uh, a couple of theaters there, um, and projection systems. And I work with these, with these guys. So there's, there's a largely technical role that, uh, that I have there. And, um, when, when I first got there, it was a matter of utilizing um, what I knew about the system, learning their system, and then streamlining it. So over the course of a few years, as we were, and I didn't know we were like, uh, Star Wars, when we were doing Rise, um, that was, there was a big uh, time that I could help revamp our system so that it was streamlined, hopefully like next generation and uh, you know, and know that there were going to be some kinks that we were going to work through, but the overall thing was that there was this growing level of um, of where we 're going to go to next and i i 'm very proud of the work that we did there we We basically utilized a um, a whole kVm system that allowed us to uh, network computers so that you could be in an editorial room and uh, be able to work on a machine that wasn 't in the room because those machines were all linked up through fiber optics and SDI cables and things like that. We had 5.1 mixing rooms. So if we brought in new editors and things like that, we could just assign them to rooms as long as there was a fiber connection. I worked with some really, really great people um, uh, to do a lot of that. And that was just a, that was a huge, huge setup. Uh, So I did, I did a lot of that. Um, I was also on set um, when we would do reshoots, um, which was amazing.
0: Really, really important part of the, the IT work that that is, is that you get to learn the entire building. You get to learn yeah, the yeah. entire process and then you can kind of show your talents and, and, and at the same time know that the technical part of it helps you show the talent of your artistic side if you do it right. I had a buddy, yeah. Brett, he started out in IT at NASCAR. Now he's a freelance producer doing amazing things, but he started out in that NASCAR building doing the IT work, doing and And he just knew the system so well. He was able to be yeah. more efficient than anybody else. Great.
1: Yeah, and I think for me, the I mean, I'm a I'm a huge nerd anyway. So like, uh, there was a there was so there was we were on my the first show that I was on was uh, Cloverfield Paradox, Um, and uh, there was one night we were doing reshoots, and um, there was a system that I was trying to build, and and I did it like last second because we had to render a bunch of red raw files, and I was like, you know, I think I could do this, um, outside of using like their red native card, I think I could do this and almost get real-time proxy outputs so the editorial could work there. So that, like on that night, I was like building this whole new system (laughs) and outputting real-time proxies from the raw footage that we were, it was just like, it was super fun. Um, So, yeah, so that, that's the type of work that I do there. Um, and I work in, uh, I, and now over the last few years, I've, I've also um, work, I work in our production department um, and we have, uh, there's a few of us that are in the production that, um, and, and basically it's like, there's a lot of the hiring of of, of the heads of departments and things like that. Um, so there's a lot of meetings that I get to be a part of and, um, you know,
0: it's great that they've they've seen you in the technical side, the IT side, and 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 also recognize the artistic side and able to pull you into a different. Like I see a lot of production houses not being able to move people like that within the you know based on what their strengths and weaknesses is or what their desires are. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's nice to hear that there's a production house that does that.
1: Um, I mean, I have nothing but amazing things to say about yeah. uh, everybody at. Uh, at Bad Robot for sure. And it's, it's definitely comes from a genuine place. There, the thing is, is that um, there, it, it, there's a garage band mentality, I think, like a scrappiness that is there, but also because there's such a huge front face, like everybody knows about them. I mean, it's like, you would think that this would be massive, massive amounts of people, yeah. but it's really a family unit and they run it as such. Um,
0: yeah. Cause uh, that's great. Cause uh, it's great that, to hear that because like I said, it, it, it- I see a lot of the production houses kind of like a lot in the military. Oh, we need them there because that's their assigned bill, and we can't lose that person in that role. So we're going to keep them there. Even, but it sounds like they're able to be yeah. more malleable. That's that's good stuff.
1: And I think that's probably how they they tend to look at at um, at a lot of the people that they look at hiring. You know, you like, you, you look at you look at people, you hire people, like yes. and you hire what you know. And I and I think uh, you know I, I would imagine what they saw in me was that, like, I have a lot of different interests and accomplishments that I think I could bring to the table. You know, I've also done some, you know, visual effects shots and things like that when we've needed to in a scrap. And um, yeah, so like, it, it, it's it's definitely a lot of, a lot of that, I think that wound up taking me to it. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, I, I would feel that anybody that, you know, is listening would go and and try to find what their unique capabilities are and figure out where it is they they fit. I have gotten a lot of questions of like, okay, so how did you get into there? And then you know you want you they try to mimic the process of getting to that point. And it's like no no no. You, you look if I were to do this now, like if I were to to say that I'm living in in somewhere and I need to redo this now, we're in a radically different age. Yeah, there my whole path would been different. Yeah. You know, so, what
0: principles would you would you say you still need to have in order to get to where you need to be, where um, you
1: want to be? So, the thing that I if, think is if gonna, not
0: if not the right if not the certain path, uh,
1: the thing that's carried me has been insatiable curiosity about everything. Um, that is the thing that uh, I hope never dies within myself. Like I hope I'm not 90 years old going like ah the metaverse. NFTs, I don't know. I'm just. (laughs) I I like my VCR, you know. My VCR, hey, I I love my VCR. I've got, I still have it. Um, Yeah, Uh, but no, I think insatiable curiosity and the courage to pursue it is is that should be the the thing that everybody, you know, if if they're if they want to be outside of a system that, you know. everybody 's got their motivations for doing the things that they do, and it's just you know what's your call to action and and that's what it is i think absolutely
0: yeah percent um, so a decade out of out of the Navy, decade out yeah. of service you've gotten to this point. what do you want to accomplish in the fu- in the future what um what goals do you still have in this industry
1: oh man i don't even feel like I, I feel like i'm just starting like yeah. to be honest yeah. and that's um especially now um, because there was a uh so, a, a few friends of mine, we'll talk about crypto because I think this is where it ties in. Okay. Um, so, we're in this really interesting phase right now with with cryptocurrencies, right? Technologies, yeah. uh, NFTs, and things like that. So, this is and, another,
0: another interest that you have
1: too. Oh, massive now. Go I on, didn't, I it. wasn't, but it ties into Everything. literally the- Every yeah, gotcha. So my if I were to be a betting man, um, my bet is that you know we are going to be moving into a very decentralized future, um, and that decentralization. And I'm not just talking about like the financial markets. Who knows, um, but I'm talking about the philosophy of how we approach everything. We're already heading that way. Like you know, YouTube is a, a place that is a that you can post and learn and do everything. And it's all coming from, you know, the long tail of things, the decentralization is the niche thing that I'm into. I can find a market for it and I can find an audience for it. It doesn't have to be, you know, theatrical level audiences for it. It just has to be like a small niche and I can make a living at it. So we didn't, we never thought that we would be playing video games and people would be making a living and a good living too streaming video games but if you look historically you could say oh well that came from the old radio dj days and then those went away and so now there's a market for that but no you, you 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 can say yes at a very basic level but people playing video games and streaming content and giving their own perspective on things is a whole nother level of what that decentralization is is looking like um and the so the the way that cryptocurrency is like kind of played into it for me and i would just say crypto just because um it it stands for this thing like you know the pandemic happened and i think you know we all started working from home we're all figuring out what this new future is going to look like you know there's also like there's people either going back to work there's people like hybridizing things where they're working at home and they're working at work and the 40 hour work week is kind of getting explored in different ways and we're all yeah. just trying to figure that kind of stuff out. So, um, that's happening. And then, and I didn't really get into crypto until, um, until the pandemic uh, hit, because there, that was the change agent that I think was kind of needed to happen in order for that to, because I've, my my friends have been talking to me about it for a bit.
0: Oh, my wife has been talking about it 10 years ago. And I was like, uh, she was in college, like before, like 2005 or seven, she was like, oh yeah, this thing called crypto Ah, uh, we'll not, well, no, we won't oh, buy anything. Can you imagine if we did?
1: Crazy. Right. I mean, <laughs> we're look, we're still it's still early. I mean, it's the investment side of it is still very, very early. Gotcha. Um now like the yes, sure, we could have invested really, really early. Nobody would have understood if 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 any if we were to be able to go back in 10 years, from now, like, And to go, hey, look, there's this thing, crypto, like, you know, yeah, yes, yeah. financial systems are going to be changed, but really this is going to, you're not even going to, comp- can't comprehend it. It's like going back in like the 80s and going like, hey, there's this thing called the internet and <laughs> you have a phone that looks like the tricorder, you know, like and the Star <laughs> Trek thing and you're going to be able to do everything. you will be like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like there's no way. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't need what do I need the internet for? I have my whole wall of Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> yeah, let me go back
0: to my back to the future. Quit watching back to the future, you know? It's
1: <laughs> Yeah. Right. So it's hard to try to guess what that new future is gonna be like. But I think yeah. the trajectory it really is a holistic approach that I take, is that um I, I the the trend the trends of seeing content creators online doing the things that they do are going to be and are, like, absolutely fundamental to figuring out what your career path is in not just this industry, but in any industry that you want to be in, in any kind of creative, uh, you know, storytelling sort. Um, I think that people that are screenwriters, let's say, um, can't just be screenwriters. Like, you gotta know how to write in the format of a novel, let's say. You have to broaden, you have to think IP, you know, you have to think, in in those terms of you know yes i'm a screenwriter and i'm also a comic book creator and also a video game designer and like you got to be
0: multidisciplined now it's yeah. just the way it is
1: i mean think about it. the thing is too is like look like unity and unreal development kits these are game creation kits they're used in the film industry and also in the video game industry and lots of other you know and uh those are free and how do you learn it you go on youtube spend a day and you've got it
0: and there's a whole industry on training people on how to use it, right? Yeah. Um, okay. You're talking about decentralization in in media and and you know and art and and I had this conversation with uh another Navy veteran, Jonathan Kingham. He's a he's a songwriter out in Nashville, and he talks about the decentralization and and you know, being songwriting now that's all digital versus the days where you could write a hit song and pay for your grandkids' college, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the decentralization of the arts or media. Yeah, it's gonna give a nice middle ground where you can make a living. But 100%. the highs and lows aren't gonna be there like they used to be. Um like the there's like the Beyonces, the the the, the really top earners, where it's more now gonna be more there's gonna be more people involved, but it's gonna be less top.
1: Um I I tend to think that we live in like we we are uh and it's hard to think about right now just because of the state of things but um I do temp- I do definitely think we live in a post scarcity uh you know world. Yeah. Um so less gatekeepers it, too. Oh, yeah, zero <laughs> gatekeepers, you know. Um and and so um the the you know that there's there are industries built around you know the Beyonce's of the world and um you know and billie eilish right now like there there's there's definitely industries that are built and they're always going to ebb and flow yeah um and i i wouldn't i would say that those are circumstantial like you know there's a lot of things that lead up to that i mean obviously sure. massive amounts of hard work decades of experience look he, joe rogan is a perfect example um you know here's a guy that like You know, people knew from Fear Factor or whatever. And, like, you know, he did some comedy and, you know, he he was, he had all of his Venn diagrams. But if you were to go up to an executive and say, you know, put together the pitch deck for Joe Rogan, there's no way, no way you would have guessed that.
0: That he'd be like the Oprah Winfrey of podcasting.
1: He's the Larry King. He's the Larry King of our day. He's like, but look, he wouldn't even know that. Like and the reason is is that he approaches things from his unique perspective, what only he can do, and he's able to build that audience over a decade of, of of experience and time, and he approached everything from insatiable curiosity, and he is he just is so he's super curious and open about people yeah um and yet like look where he is now like. And he's one example and he's not the only one, but he's the one that a lot of people can just go, ah, oh, okay, I can put a name to that. There's lots of, you know, and then look at the podcasting space blew up and, you know, you could say, yeah, he caught the wave and did the thing. He's not the only one. No. Lots of people are doing that. Um,
0: any diversity is marketing. You know, he went to video, he went to YouTube, he went to now, you know, Spotify. Sure. So, he's not just doing one little niche podcast thing. He's, yeah. he's making sure he's got a whole marketing
1: platform behind him. Diverse, yeah. Diversification, I think is a, you have to, you know, you you have to, let me, if I were to go back to, like, I, I go back to those classes that I took at USC that were really more about entrepreneurship, um, and it was the thing that I knew that I was always into, like I was always into the idea of like when I when I lived in Saudi Arabia, I took a computer class where I made my own game and I made it on in DOS like back then. And it was like it was an eye opening experience of going like, oh, cool, I could make this. I made like a basketball pong game. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I, I thought about that and I go, OK, cool. So I can make this thing. And then, you know, I would not have revisited that and, and for decades later. Yeah. And uh, and so now I'm going back and going like, look, all the things that I'm into, uh, the things that I want to I want to do, I want to approach from that from that aspect of just like you know being fierce about it in in a way that I'm excited because yeah. that's really at the end of the day it's like you, you know I, you could go back to that philosophy of like you yeah, look you got one life to live and like this is a thing all and we have more opportunity now than we've ever had um, and the you cannot see the forest through the trees like until like you zoom back out and look at it and you go oh my gosh all the things that led up to me being me i could utilize in this sense and i can share it with people that are like minded and i you will find your audience and when you find yes. your audience it's not about the money no. you know there's a lot um, of self,
0: there's a lot of self fulfillment for that i mean yeah you talking about Rogan man i'm just i would just be happy to be the James Lipton of the military community honestly. James Lipton <laughs> nice yes right
1: how amazing um
0: so, yeah. where do you, so again, uh, Real yeah. quick, so, crypt, crypto, where do you want to, where do you, where do you want to, what, what um, goals do you still so have?
1: So, NFTs and smart contracts are a, a really great model that we're all on the very ground level of figuring out. And I think, you know, in this industry, you could look at NFTs as a sort of way um, their, uh, NFTs are like just a little bit of like a backstory of non-fungible tokens. It basically allows, uh, metadata to be attached to, uh, digital property that would allow it to be tracked on a certain way that you can make smart contracts on. You could, and a smart contract would be, how about this? We take this podcast, you mint an NFT out of it, right? So basically you put it on a, on a, on a crypto platform, which allows The metadata and the whole system to holistically work. And you say, okay, cool. We, 10 years down the line, you and I are blown up. We're doing our thing or whatever. We say, you know what? If you originally bought that podcast, um, you could get, you know, we, we could meet up for lunch. We could do this, whatever. And then that person or those people that bought it go, oh my gosh, I actually own that thing. They look in their digital wallet and they go, yeah, cool. I'm down for that. Whatever it is. And that's tracked. So that's kind of where we're figuring out what those are. Now I say you and I like as if anybody's going to sit down and have lunch with us uh, ten years from now. But hey, you regardless, never you never know. Never um,
0: know that metadata is it like uh, like what we would do when we caption a file in Bridge or something? Or is it? Oh yeah, I
1: yeah, like-, like on a huge. No, no, no. You're right on a unit, on- Yeah. So think about it. it's it's metadata on steroids in a way that is securely tracked and uh the monetization of it is huge they're trying to figure out right now the collector space in nfts um but really the value add is in content creators moving forward so yes we can add and we can make something on youtube we can make something on this and that there is a distribution platform that is open to everybody and i guarantee you you put something on youtube and if it's if it's worth something people will see it i guarantee you like that's the thing, right so your audience is now like free. you don't have to pay there's no paywall to get into it. so do that post on Instagram uh, you know find your audience. Uh, that is the number one thing. so uh, if I were to relate it back to me, I would say that like there are there are things that I'm working on right now like for instance, I just finished my rough draft on a sci-fi horror book that um, I'm I'm looking at. Going like, do I want to approach a, a, here's here's the use case of it. I wrote, I did something that's my own IP. Sure. And then I go, okay, what do I do with it? Do I approach the traditional publishers and literary agents? Sure. Uh, do I want to do that? Maybe not. Why? Because there are so many other brand new platforms that I could be on the ground level of figuring out, which might be in the long run of it more beneficial in the short run of it if i go with the literary agent i have a small chance that somebody goes oh yeah we'll distribute your book and and then they get to take care of that i kind of want to be part of the new part of figuring that out it would have been awesome to be on the on the ground level of you know being a youtube creator or something and yeah. making content it would have been on the ground you know that so ground that's kind of where i
0: amazon when they were doing the sure self publishing
1: yep yeah so I think that there's it's the merging of the technology and the creative that I think that is really fascinating for me um you know and again I I go and I approach that with insatiable curiosity and uh you know I have very little fear of the unknown um and uh and so I think that just finding those things out and just you know just digging through it and and cracking open that door and seeing what that new thing is, it'll never go wrong. You know, approach it smartly. Like I wouldn't like take all of my money and just go like, this is it. That's a bet. (laughs) Dogecoin, Dogecoin. (laughs) $100,000. Hey, look, people that invested in Doge, I invested in Dogecoin when it was seven cents and it blew up to like, you know, and there's Shiba coin now. It's a, it's a ridiculous, like crypto is in a, in a crazy place right now, for sure. The volatility is expected. The, we, we won't get into the financial side of it because that's, it's a whole thing. But that, that's a whole nother
0: podcast. Uh, oh yeah. And nother- everybody's
1: trying to predict it. It's hilarious. I watch all these people. They're like, I, I knew this was going to happen. And then when the 10 other things that they said were going to happen, didn't happen. It's like, nobody can predict what's happening. Yeah. That's fine but zoom out and look at it another per, another uh, person i love uh to listen to and follow is uh Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. Uh he has Gary V. So he talks a lot about NFTs and smart contracts. Um Kevin O'Leary is also, you know, jumped in and he's like, "Okay, yeah, there's this thing with cryptocurrencies, but really NFTs and smart contracts, like that's." So it it you know, i, I say that now and then i would love to revisit this a year or two from now and go like did this you know did this age well and i would make a bet that this is going to age very very well because the thing we don't realize is what the internet 3.0 is going to be and that's crypto in the sense of this decentralization in the sense of being able to have a trackable system that allows people to uh be holistically joined into things that aren't manipulated by just a few different things that can be you know It's a much more holistic approach, I think, to a lot of this that we're – I don't know everything there is to know about it for sure, and I don't have to. I just have to kind of like take the philosophy and go, okay, yeah, I think this is the way. Um, I'm excited about more diversified storytelling. I'm excited for more people from different walks of life being able to tell their story. I would love to see – you know, movies or short films or books or even like novellas or graphic novels or whatever it is, games designed by, you know, people from all over the world of, of a one or two person team. I would play that. I would watch that.
0: So much passion and it goes into stuff like that. So and much passion.
1: There, is, there are distribution avenues for it. And now with the smart contracts and NFTs of things, um, they will be able to be compensated in a way that, um, I think is sustainable for the foreseeable future, uh, for sure.
0: Gotcha. We need
1: to yeah. we need to dive into more of that. You and me. I hope that's uh, not too heady because no, it is very heady. Like
0: I, I, I personally haven't dug into it, and if I've, and of course, I've been like everybody else. I've, been, I've, I've heard the word NFT. I've seen yeah. crypto and going, oh, that's interesting. I have, you know, from a journalistic sense, I have seen the centralization yeah. try to pull it back to being a more centralized thing, and that that fight that there is that between decentralization and the centralized community. That part to me right now is fascinating. Hasn't it hasn't seen that fight and I'm wondering who's gonna win before I jump in. You know, that but that's just that's just me. Um, but hearing you talk about it, man, it's 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 definitely uh you've obviously have been tracking a lot more than I have. Uh you've been you've been inspired more than in into the G- decentralization. It's good stuff. I wanna continue that offline if we get a chance.
1: Of course. Um, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know the the end of the day what brought me into this world has always been about telling stories right yeah. so you know uh, you want to be able to tell the most authentic story that is uh to you because it, you realize what your unique value is and that value add is if you can you know tell this sto- like if i came up with writing dune then i would have came up with writing dune and look at now you know from the mid 60s when that when frank herbert wrote that like and look at what we have now like so, more of that can happen. I don't think that there's going to be like, oh, we can't have too much really great sci fi. <laughs> <Like, laughs> no, I mean, more. Yeah. Lord, <laughs> I mean,
0: you can go back even further Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah. Well, Tolkien, Tolkien, I mean, that was World War I stuff, you know? Yep. Um, okay, back to content creation. Yeah. When you have the freedom to go and work on a role within a project, what is your favorite role to fill? Because you have fulfilled many different roles in my different projects.
1: Yeah. Um, I, uh, so writing, Interesting. um, yeah. Yeah. Writing has been, um, the, the thing that I've been, uh, very obsessed about. Um, I used to, uh, you know, not very long ago I was going, I need to write the screenplay cause I want to try to get this thing made and I got to look for funding. And, and it just wound up being like, yeah, I could do this. But all the, mo- all the stories that I wanted to tell were like, I, I could not, help myself thinking of the dollar signs that it would take or the, you know, the 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 manpower to like, get it all. So, I go, you know what, I need to free write. I need to like, think of this and in, in this way. So, like the novella, the, you know, the episodic could be done in the writing stages and I'll figure out what that is, if I need to visualize it in well, a way. But you wanted to
0: get the arc out there.
1: I needed to get my world building and my stories and my characters. And I think that, you know, which is crazy because at the end of the day, like no matter what we create in the future, uh writing like the most basic thing of putting a pen or pencil to paper and world building and, and coming up with something from nothing, that is that that is the gestation point of anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so video games, what I'm,
0: movies, uh it all started with a story. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and and so, writing has been um, my, uh, the, the thing that I, I used to go in and out of because it was just like, it was the daunting process. I didn't know where I wanted to do like, and the last few years, it's been, it's been nonstop for that. Um, so, writing uh, and then, you know, spending my time just learning all of the new cool, like I'm learning Unreal right now, the Unreal wow. Engine, yeah. uh, which is phenomenal. Real-time rendering, being able to do like CG. And would not have to wait like a week for a shot to <laughs> render, you know. Like, and, then, and oh, it's off by a frame, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, having <gonna> to re-render it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, is horror, alien, sci-fi, the unexplained? It still sounds like it's your favorite genre. Oh uh, yeah. What are you researching right now in that genre?
1: So, uh, the the book that I have um, that that I that I did is has a lot of the basis and underground military bases. And the conspiracies around that, like the Phil Schneider's and the you know Dulcie and whatever. Um, yeah, gotcha. So I've been I've, that—that's not something recently that I've been doing. I've been very obsessed with that since um, for a long, long, long time. Well, it's, and, and
0: it's, it, it harkens back to your military background and some of the things, and not—I mean, not the fact that you don't—you've been—you haven't been to Area 51 or anything, but it's just the fact that I they What?
1: Well, not Area 51, but when I did my motorcycle trip, I rode through Rachel, Nevada. Okay, uh, Nevada. Sorry. Uh, my friend corrected me. It's not Nevada. It's Nevada. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I actually took my motorcycle. So my friend Steve and I were both uh, massive alien conspiracy fans. You know, the world build is amazing. Yeah. Bob Lazar, you know, Phil Schneider, all these things. So like um, during the motorcycle trip, uh, I went through Rachel, Nevada, and there is a little place there that town is Rachel, which is like like hardly anybody lives there, um, and they have a little stop there because like 140 miles of road, and that's it. And there's a little stop there called the Little Ailey Inn, and you know that's like right. the mecca for you know the the work. Like a lot of the, right. the big people have gone there and and, and done that. So I, right. I yeah rode my bike through uh through Area 51. I can I can right. say
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You you should come with me to Washington State and hunt for Bigfoot. I mean, oh, dear. <laughs> You know, I, I live in the Pacific Northwest on that, you know, I got acreage out there in the, in the, oh. in the National Rainforest. Uh, anything Amazing. to get me back there, I'm down.
1: Uh, um, let's do it. I'm totally down. All right. Um,
0: you should also link up with Jennifer Marshall. Do you know Jennifer out there? I don't. She was my Halloween episode <laughs> back in 2020. And that's a good episode. If you're listening to this, uh, it's in the archives. Uh, okay. we, t- we talked about all this kind of stuff because she's not only an actress, but she's also a private investigator and she explores all this kind of stuff on her show Mysteries Decoded on CW. She's all and she's been on a few episodes of Born the Battle. Um and a, actually uh, she's also a Navy veteran. So um okay, she's gosh. out there she's out there in your neck of the woods. You should definitely Yeah,
1: play. I would love to. Yeah. I so it, <laughs> this is how much of a nerd I am. So when I was when I was freelancing, I was on a Vice show and we were working in, in these uh, offices that shared with other productions. Uh-huh. So I'm walking by and um there was uh, a hearing out of one of the editorial bays like uh you know when ancient alien theorists believe and i'm like wait somebody watching ancient aliens and i was like and i stopped and i kind of like knocked on the door and then you know the guy one of the editors looks out and they're working on like one of the episodes i was like no way are you guys editing ancient aliens the you theater? totally marked out you totally marked out that's awesome I'm totally yeah and my, my supervisor he was like Man, you nerd. <laughs> you know, like, you got stuff we don't
0: understand. Cool. But when you have a passion for that kind of stuff, you just come, you just got to let it out. Yeah. Down. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the, of the veteran community, uh, speaking of Jennifer and stuff uh, in the film and television industry, did you get involved in VME, Veterans and Media and Entertainment? I did. Gotcha. Or any of the VSOs out there? Mm-hmm. Jennifer said it helped her find that tribe and supported during her initial military t- transition. Did you experience the same thing?
1: Um, yeah. So, uh, so I, I initially hooked up with VME for a few different things. Um, and yeah, they're very helpful. Uh, the community's great. Um, I did, uh, I, I did a, a couple of workshops. I, I'm sorry. I did a workshop. Yeah. I did a couple of workshops for them, um, uh, last year, uh, you know, talking about my experience and things too, just to kind of give back a little bit. Um, and, uh, You know, initially when I was getting going, they helped out with a couple of, uh, you know, they had a couple of like, hey, this executive from whatever uh, would meet with a, you know, bunch of people. So I went to a few of those, and um, it was, you know, it it was great to uh, any chance to get to meet people, meet veterans that are going into it, and and things like that. Has been, it was was really good. Um, And you would recommend uh,
0: doing stuff like that when you're out there, like oh yeah,
1: all of it, any and all of it, like if if you like, you know, there, there's, yeah, the, the recommendation comes from like, you know, you utilize your local community for sure. Um, you don't have to come out to LA. Um, you know, if you, if, if you want to work on the big fancy projects, sure. Like then come out to LA and, and, you know, get that going. Just, it's a, you know, it's a very, very small tight knit community for sure. Like that's, it's just, that's how it is. Like every community I think is kind of like that. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, I think that, if you don't have a uh, veterans and media and entertainment, you know, in your area that you could utilize, then you know, start one, start a meetup, start a thing. Find you have to find your local community. Like that's
0: me and Paul. There was a guy uh, I, I, that was in the military, Paul Porter. Him and I were like the Charlotte chapter. It was just for like for a cut for about a year. It was just like just us in Charlotte. You know, <laughs> like we're the yeah. Charlotte chapter. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and then we we, we got involved in like the Charlotte uh, film film scene. But yeah. I, Oh it, great. Yeah, so VME is definitely, you know, absolutely. I would, it's good that you recommend that you get the network and and and, and just yeah. meet people. Um
1: yeah, yeah. There's also like, you know, places so uh you know, we work with Mission Continues as well. Um you know, they've been awesome. Uh so it it, it may not be necessarily that you that you work in like if 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 there are veteran related uh you know, organizations that you could uh, link up with. It doesn't necessarily have to be in entertainment and media. You know, like you approach it from a standpoint like, look, we all ha- we all love stories. We all love movies, and this is why the industry is the way it is. Like, we all love to watch. Yeah. So we're all fans. At the end of the day, you just you find your community and you start, you know, linking up with at that point. And you'd be surprised.
0: Interesting. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, is there a veteran in the veteran community or a veteran nonprofit that you've worked with or whom you've had an experience with that you'd like to mention?
1: Um, there, there's a friend of mine who was doing great work, uh, and he works in this industry. I met up with him, um, a guy named Tony Bari, um, uh, prior Marine, and he, he does really, really great work in the documentary field. Mm. Uh, and so, um, I met up with him when he was still, um, over at Fox and, uh, you know, early days when I was freelancing and doing his thing and, and, and doing, doing my thing. And he was, uh, teaching a, um, a thing for, uh, you know, editorial and Adobe premiere and things like that. Um, and I remember that I, I came in with all of my toys basically, like I had my laptop and my like editorial, th- you know, like, like we do. Yeah. And Oh yeah. All, uh, your gear. I, all your gear. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, and he, he kind of like, he kind of pinpointed me out <laughs> a little bit. So he was like, oh man, like he, he's, he's a nerd too. And he, he, you know, and then when I met him, I, uh, I saw that there was, um like some of the documentary work that he did like he did this this really moving uh documentary work that he, I, I'm not sure what he's doing now but um he did one um on uh in from uh Southeast Asia um and um and some of the the issues that they were dealing with when it came to uh going h- how they dealt with a um not a hurricane um but like there was a tsunami a tsunami the experience that they had over there and how how they were all and it was such a personal it was such a personal story um and uh it, it was fascinating because like i don't recall that he, he he did media work i think in the marine corps but he like yeah he he did what he did outside and and what he's doing now was so
0: beyond what he was doing in the military
1: yeah yeah gotcha very good yeah very so good. he's he's a he's a great dude Got um, but like there, there's man, yeah. There's there's definitely like a a, a lot of people, um, you know that. It, here's the weird part. Like I know a few veterans. Um, actually, uh, there's a couple that you know. One of them is out here. Um, do you remember that? Tony? Which Tony? Ortiz. Ortiz. Why is that something? Yeah. Like-
0: Jeez. He left right before I got there at, at
1: Oh, did he? Yeah, he okay. w-
0: I think I might have seen him for like a week.
1: Oh, okay. So there yeah. was a transition. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, anyways, he's he's out here. Okay. Um yeah, yeah. Doing his uh, thing. Yeah. He's he's um he's doing music. Um uh he's also doing like engineering on the on the live end and he's got his own studio and everything like that. Yeah. Very
0: cool. Very
1: yeah. So it's dizzying because there's there's a lot, and it's strange because even people that I was deployed with, um, there were two uh, people that I was um, when I was stationed with uh, when I was in Italy, and they both made it over here and worked out here in LA for a bit. Uh, One of them's still out here. I think the other one moved back uh, for a bit. Um, Gotcha. Very cool. I think my senior chief is out here. Like it's yeah, it's really strange. So
0: it's a bigger veteran community than one would think.
1: Oh, huge! Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, very,
0: very good. Well, it's uh, we, we've we've covered a lot of ground, Andrew. Uh, we, we've, uh, we've gone about an hour and a half. Is there is there anything that I've missed or haven't asked, or is there a parting shot that do you that you have to someone that's listening to this that you'd like to
1: share? I, I think that the thing about being a veteran is that you know you have a you are part of a community with people that believed in something greater. And when you get out, some people feel a little bit lost because they're not necessarily part of that active community, uh, Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, and I think when people realize that they had a calling for a reason and they embrace what that thing that drives them forward is, um, that to, to think about that is like your realized like potential is huge. And that's the thing that I thought that people in the veteran community just um had always been so great at doing is is pursuing that, you know, that potential. Uh and I think that that's that is the number one thing that I always I think till the day I die will always be if I were to like be on a loudspeaker is, you know, find who you are and fulfill that potential. Um because it will it's it will catch on like a fire, and other people around you you would be surprised at who you could affect and who you could um you know inspire to do the same, and we'll all benefit from it again. couldn't said it better myself
0: well, um, let's link up after this let's look for uh, let's look for some bigfoot and uh <laughs> yeah, no sure. no man uh, appreciate you, and we are out. have a good one you t d Ever hear the one about the frog? Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. Here's my but put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up and that frog will boil. It's a lie. But as a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, you real experience? it's a story that rings true. We make excuses for how we feel. We push everything down. We tell ourselves the lie that it's easier to stay in that boiling water. To disconnect. And some days, maybe, it is. But you've never been interested in easy. Reaching out is hard. Do it anyway. You're not alone. You've got this. You are not a frog.
1: Find resources at va.gov slash reach.
0: I want to thank Andrew for coming on Born in the Battle. It's good to talk to him after all those years. To learn more about Andrew, you can find his list of credits on IMDB and you can find him on LinkedIn. This week's Born in the Battle Veteran of the Week was sent to us by active duty Air Force service member, ID Secura. Heidi, thank you for your email and I hope you're well. It's been years. Thank you for sending this in. In it, in that email, was a link from ksltv.com. Born in Salt Lake City in 1920, Gail Halverson grew up on small farms in Idaho and Utah. Halverson is known as the candy bomber for dropping treats to children during the Berlin airlift after World War II, something that helped improve U.S. relations and brought hope to West Berlin. In 1948, Halverson was one of the pilots in the U.S. Airlift program that saved two million Germans from starvation as the Soviet Union blockaded West Berlin in an attempt to take it from the Allies. Halverson flew plane load after plane load of flour and coal. However, it was a meeting at the fence with German children that changed his life. I turned to leave, he said, and a voice came back to me clear as a bell. I'm sure it was the Holy Ghost. Said, Go back to the fence. It was a command. He did. And he pulled out two sticks of gum. And instead of fighting over it, he says they shared it. And then he got an idea to drop his candy bar rations by tiny parachutes that he made on his next flight by wiggling his wings. Since then, Halverson was known as the candy bomber. It gave me hope, said Regine Lovely, who grew up in Berlin. And hope was probably the best thing he could have given to us at the time. Halverson celebrated his Hunter's birthday in October of 2020 with a vehicle parade. And residents in Tremonton, Utah honored him with a mural. In December, the U.S. Senate unanimously passed a bill to rename Provost Veteran Center in honor of Halverson. Unfortunately, Utah's own Colonel Gail Halverson, the Candy Bomber, unfortunately passed away on February 16th at the age of 101. He was surrounded by most of his children. Army Air Corps Veteran Gail Halverson. We honor his service.
1: Ready. Hey!
0: Five. <laughs> Ready. Eight. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future Born the Battle Veteran of the Week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, just like ID did. Include a short write up and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Facebook, pretty much any podcasting app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media can always find us with that blue check mark and as always i'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the department of veterans affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast nor any immediate products or services they may provide i say that because the song you're hearing now is called machine gunner which is courtesy of the nonprofit operation song and was written by marine veteran mark milkeelheny nashville songwriter jason siever and michael duncan have a great day thank you for listening and we'll see you right here Next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine bullets
1: fly, brain. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 762 round that'll cut them
0: down in an instant. In a purple heart and a Russian-made bullet in my back, raining down it, punching that clock. Get them boys, I'm laying down the machine Fire, gunner, fly, Bullets fly, fly, fly in that rain, simplified, to or die, another campaign. Here we go, lock and load. 0331, lug a thousand rounds, and I ain't bringing back
1: one. So. Right out of uh, DINFOs, I wanted to uh, take a visit to Vegas. (laughs) You know, every story starts that way. It's always got to end well. So, uh, you know, my my best friend and I, um, you know, we linked up and I was like, hey, I want to go to Vegas. And my, my grandmother was out there, so I want to spend some time. But also it was just like, we were getting out of DINFOs and like, you know, the the leave that we were taking before we go off to our first duty station and all that. And uh, my other good friend, uh, um, I'll call him out. Uh, so, <laughs> Pete Lawler, if you're listening to, I'm so sorry. Um, I think he's like a chief now. Love it, <laughs> love it.
0: I love it when you're boots and then you're like, oh my God, they're leading were-
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I remember so that. So, <laughs> all three of us, um, we went to, uh, we went to Vegas together and, um, oh man. And, you know, saying that like, oh yeah, we're in the military and just getting round after round. Uh, we went to MGM Grand and I can't think of her name, but uh, she was our um, our hostess, our waitress, and she also just like hooked us up with some of the most amazing drinks. We were sloshed. Uh and we basically like arm in arm uh started like singing like cadence down uh down Vegas down the main strip. Down the strip. <laughs> and like <laughs> because and I say arm in arm because we needed each other to hold <laughs> each other up every block or so uh you know we might have had to uh relieve ourselves oh my god in the garbage can uh and um you know it was not pretty uh but it was it was amazing because i remember from my experience singing like out of like because we had to sing a lot of these cadences when, you know, we were marching to and from class and things (laughs) like that. So we came up with our own and like, we had, it it was just like, we were, our heart was into it. And, uh, next thing, you know, like I, there was a, a, not a blackout time, but I ended up on, uh, on the bus. And, uh, and then I, I looked up and they were gone. And, uh, and I was like, what, um, (laughs) okay so i look behind me and they're both they're both like uh, like they had gotten off and i i did not get off the bus and so i look behind and they're like waving at me (laughs) and so i was like oh no so um when we were uh when we were sober i could not find the hotel room at the hotel we were staying at and um and, but for whatever reason, I wound up like being able to like beeline to the hotel. Like it was like this weird sense of like tunnel vision I got. Energy um, And we all like, you know, within a minute, within like 30 seconds or so, like met up at the hotel and we're just kind of like, <laughs> we were all very like dumbfounded. Like, how did you, I-, I woke up and you guys were gone and like we, and it was just this amazing experience.